0: Osho, Tantra, the Supreme Understanding Discourses on Tilopa's Song of Mahamudra Given at the Osho Commune International, Pune, India Discourse number one Bhagwan, in his Song of Mahamudra, Tilopa says Mahamudra is beyond all words and symbols, but for you, Naropa, earnest and loyal, must this be said. The void needs no reliance, Mahamudra rests on naught. Without making an effort, but remaining loose and natural, one can break the yoke thus gaining liberation. The experience of the ultimate is not an experience at all because the experiencer is last. And when there is no experiencer, what can be said about it? Who will say it? Who will relate the experience? When there is no subject, the object also disappears. The banks disappear, only the river of experience remains. Knowledge is there, but the knower is not. That has been the problem for all the mystics. They reach to the ultimate, but they cannot relate it to those who are following. They cannot relate to it to others who would like to have intellectual understanding. They have become one with it. Their whole being relates it. But no intellectual communication is possible. They can give it to you if you are ready to receive. They can allow it to happen in you, if you also allow it, if you are receptive and open. But words won't do, symbols won't help, theories and doctrines are of no use at all. The experience is such that it is more like an experiencing than like an experience. It is a process, and it begins, but it never ends. You enter into it, but you never possess it. It is like a drop dropping in the ocean or the ocean itself dropping into the drop. It is a deep merger. It is oneness. You simply melt away into it. Nothing is left behind, not even a dress. So who will communicate? Who will come back to the world of the valley? Who will come back to this dark night to tell you? All the mystics all over the world have always felt important as far as communication is concerned. Communion is possible, but communication, no. This has to be understood from the very beginning. A communion is a totally different dimension. Two hearts meet. It is a love affair. Communication is from head to head. Communion is from heart to heart. Communion is a feeling. Communication is knowledge only words are given. Only words are said, and only words are taken and understood. And words are such. The very nature of words is so dead that nothing alive can be can be related through them. Even in ordinary life, leave aside the ultimate. Even in ordinary experiencing, when you have a peak moment, an ecstatic moment, when you really feel something and become something, it becomes impossible to relate it into words. In my childhood, I used to go early in the morning to the river. It is a small village, the river is very, very lazy, as if not flowing at all. And in the morning, when the sun is not yet arisen, you cannot see whether it is flowing. It is so lazy and silent. And in the morning, when there is nobody the bathers have not come yet. It is tremendously silent. Even the birds are not singing in the morning. Early, no sound, just a soundlessness pervades. And the smell of the mango trees hangs all over the river. I used to go there to the furthest corner of the river, just to sit, just to be there. There was no need to do anything. Just being there was enough. It was such a beautiful experience to be there. I will take a bath, I will swim, and when the sun will arise, I will go to the other source, the vast expanse of sand, and dry myself there under the sun, and lie there, and sometimes even go to sleep. When I will come back, my mother used to ask, what have you been doing the whole morning? And I will say nothing, because actually I has not been doing anything. And she will say how it is possible. Four hours you have not been here, How it is possible you have not been doing anything? You must have been doing something. And she is right. But I was also not wrong. I was not doing anything at all. I was just being there with the river, not doing anything, allowing things to happen. If it felt like swimming, Remember, if it felt like swimming, I will swim, but that was not a doing on my part. I was not forcing anything. If I felt like going into a sleep, I will go. Things were happening, but there was no doer. And my first experiences of Satori started near that river, not doing anything simply being there, millions of things happened. But she will insist that you must have been doing something. So I will say, "Okay, I took a bath, I dried myself in the sun, and then she was satisfied. But I was not, because What happened there in the river is not expressed by words that I took a bath. It looks so poor and pale. Playing with the river, floating in the river, swimming in the river, was such a deep experience. To say simply that I took a bath makes no sense about it. Or just to say that, I went there, had a walk on the bank, sat there, conveys nothing. Even in ordinary life you feel the futility of words. And if you don't feel the futility of words, that shows that you have not been alive at all that shows that you have lived very superficially. If whatsoever you have been living can be conveyed by words, that means you have not lived at all. When for the first time something starts happening, which is beyond words, life has happened to you, life has knocked at your door. And when the ultimate knocks at your door, you are simply gone beyond words. You become dumb you cannot say. Not even a single word is formed inside. And whatsoever you say looks so pale, so dead, so meaningless, without any significance, that it seems that you are doing injustice to the experience that has happened to you. And remember this, because Mahamudra is the last, the ultimate experience. Mahamudra means a total orgasm with the universe. If you have loved somebody, and sometimes you have felt a melting and emerging, The two are no more two. The bodies remain separate, but something between the bodies makes a bridge, a golden bridge, and the ness inside disappears. One life energy vibrates on both the poles, If it has happened to you, then only you can understand what Mahamudra is. Millions and millions times deep, millions and millions of times high, is Mahamudra. It is a total orgasm with the whole, with the universe. It is melting into the source of being. And this is a song of Mahamudra. It is beautiful that Telupa has called it a song. You can sing it but you cannot say it. You can dance it but you cannot say it. It is such a deep phenomena that singing may convey a little, tiny part of it. Not what you sing, but the way you sing it. Many mystics have simply danced after their ultimate experience. They could not do anything else. They were saying something through their whole being and body. Altogether, body, mind, soul, everything involved in it, they were dancing. Those dances were not ordinary dances. In fact, all dancing was born because of these mystics. It was a way to relate the ecstasy the happiness, the bliss. Something of the unknown has penetrated into the known. Something of the beyond has come to the earth. What else you can do? You can dance it, you can sing it. This is a song of Mahamudra. And who will sing it? Tilopa is no more. The organismic feeling itself is singing. It is not a song of tilopa. Tilopa is no more. The experience itself is vibrating and singing. Hence the song of Mahamudra the song of ecstasy, ecstasy itself singing it. Tilopa has nothing to do. Tilopa is not there at all. Tilopa has melted. When the seeker is lost, only then the goal is achieved. Even the experience is no experiencer is no more, the experience is there. Seek and you will miss it. Because through your seeking the seeker will be strengthened. Don't seek and you will find it. The very seeking, the very effort becomes a barrier. Because the more you seek, the more the ego is strengthened, the seeker. Do not seek. This is the deepest message of this whole song of Mahamudra. Do not seek. Just remain as you are. Don't go anywhere else. Nobody ever reaches God. Nobody can, because you don't know the address where you will go, where you will find the Divine. There is no map, and there is no way, and there is nobody to say where he is. No, nobody ever reaches God. It is always the reverse. God comes to you. Whenever you are ready, He knocks at your door. He seeks you whenever you are ready. And the readiness is nothing but a receptivity. When you are completely receptive, there is no ego. You become a hollow temple with nobody in it. Telopa says in the song become like a hollow bamboo. Nothing inside. And suddenly, the moment you are a hollow bamboo, the divine lips are on you. And the hollow bamboo becomes a flute, and the song starts. This is the song of Mahamudra, Tilopa has become a hollow bamboo, and the Divine has come, and the song has started. It is not Tilopa's song, it is the song of the ultimate experience itself. Something about Tilopa before we enter into this beautiful phenomena. Nothing much is known about tilopa, because nothing in fact can be known about such persons. They don't leave a trace. They don't become a part of history. They exist by the side. they are not part of the main traffic, where the whole humanity is moving. They don't move there. The whole humanity moves through desiring, and persons like Lopa move into desirelessness. They simply move away from the main traffic of humanity, where history exists. And the more away they go from the traffic, the more mythological they become. They exist like a myth. There are no more events in time, and this is as it should be because they move beyond time, they live beyond time, they live in the eternity. From this dimension of our common humanity, they simply disappear, they evaporate. The moment when they are evaporating, only that moment we remember that much they are part of us. That's why nothing much is known about Tilopa, who he is. Only this song exists. This is his gift. And the gift was given to his disciple Naropa. And these gifts cannot be given to anybody. unless a deep love intimacy exists. One has to be capable to receive such gifts. This song has been given to Naropa, his disciple. Before this song was given to Naropa, Naropa was tested in millions of ways his faith, his love and trust. When it came to be known that there exists nothing like doubt in him, not even a tiny part of doubt, when his heart was totally full with trust and love, then this song was given. I am also here to sing a song, but it can be given to you only when you are ready. And your readiness means that doubt should simply disappear from the mind. It should not be suppressed. you should not try to defeat it, because defeated it will remain in you, suppressed it will remain part of your unconscious, and it will go on affecting you. Don't fight your doubting mind, don't suppress it. Rather, on the contrary, you simply bring more and more energy into trust, You simply be indifferent to your doubting mind. Nothing else can be done. Indifference is the key. You simply be indifferent. It is there. Accept it. Bring your energies more and more toward trust and love, because it is the same energy which becomes doubt. It is the same energy which becomes trust. Remain indifferent to doubt. The moment you are indifferent, your cooperation is broken. You are not feeding it, because it is through attention that anything is fed. If you pay attention to your doubt, even if you are against it, paying attention to it is dangerous, because the very attention is the food. That is your cooperation. One has just to be indifferent, neither for nor against. Don't be for doubt, don't be against doubt. So now you will have to understand three words. One word is doubt, another word is belief, third word is trust or faith, what in the East is known as Shraddha. Doubt is a negative attitude towards anything. Whatsoever is said, first you look at it negatively. You are against it. And you will find reasons, rationalizations, how to support your againstness. Then there is the mind of belief. It is just like the mind of doubt, only standing upside down. There is not much difference. This mind looks at things positively and tries to find reasons, rationalizations, how to support it, how to be for it. The mind who doubts suppresses belief. The mind who believes suppresses doubt, but they both are of the same stuff. The quality is not different. Then there is a third mind whose doubting has simply disappeared. And when doubt disappears, belief also disappears. Faith is not belief, it is love. Faith is not belief because it is not half, it is total. Faith is not belief because there is no doubt in it. So how can you believe? Faith is not a rationalization at all, neither for nor against, neither this nor that. Faith is a trusting, a deep trusting, a love. You don't find any rationalizations for it. It simply is so. So what to do? Don't create belief against faith. Just be indifferent to belief and doubt both, and bring your energies towards more and more love. Love more. Love unconditionally. Not only love me, because that is not possible. If you love, you simply love more. If you love, you simply exist in a more loving way, not only towards the Master, but towards everything that exists around you, towards the trees, and the stones, and the sky, and the earth. You, your being, your very quality of being becomes a love phenomenon. Then trust arises. And only in such a trust a gift like the Song of Mahamudra can be given. When Narupa was ready, Dilupa gave this gift. So remember, With a master you are not on a head trip. Doubt, belief are all head trips. With a master you are on a heart trip. And heart doesn't know what doubt is. And heart doesn't know what belief is. Heart simply knows stress. Heart is just like a small child. The small child clings to the father's hand, and wherever the father is going, the child is going, neither trusting nor doubting. The child is undivided. Doubt is half. Belief is half. Child is still total, whole he simply goes with the father wherever he is going. When a disciple becomes just like a child, then only these gifts of the highest peak of consciousness can be given. When you become the deepest valley of reception, then the highest peaks of consciousness can be given to you only a valley can receive a peak. A disciple should be absolutely feminine, receptive like a womb. Only then such a phenomenon happens as is going to happen in this song. Tilopa is the master, Naropa is the disciple. And Tilopa says, Mahamudra is beyond all words and symbols, but for you, Naropa, earnest and loyal, must this be said. It is beyond words and symbols, all words and all symbols. Then how it can be said? If it is really beyond all words and symbols, then how it can be said? Is there any way then? Yes, there is a way. If there is a Naropa, there is a way. If there is really a disciple, there is a way. It depends on the disciple, whether the way will be found or not. If the disciple is so receptive that he has no mind of his own. He does not judge whether it is right or wrong. He has no mind of his own. He has surrendered his mind to the Master. He is simply a receptivity, an emptiness, ready to welcome whatsoever is given, unconditionally, then words and symbols are not needed. Then something can be given, and you can listen it between the words, and you can read it between the lines. Then words are just an excuse the real thing happens just by the side of the words. Words is just a trick, a device. The real thing follows the words like a shadow. And if you are too much of the mind, you will listen to the words. Then it cannot be communicated. But if you are not a mind at all, then the subtle shadows that follow the words, very subtle, only the heart can see them, invisible shadows, invisible ripples of consciousness, vibes, then communion is immediately possible. Remember this, says Tilopa. But for you, Naropa, Ernest and loyal, must this be said. That which cannot be said must be said for a disciple. That which cannot be said, which is absolutely invisible, must be made visible for the disciple. It depends not only on the master. Even more it depends on the disciple. Tilopa was fortunate to find a Naropa. There has been few masters, unfortunate, who never could find a disciple like Naropa. So whatsoever they had gained, it disappeared with them because there was nobody to receive it. Sometimes masters have traveled thousands of miles to find a disciple. Tilopa himself went from India to Tibet to find Naropa, to find a disciple. Thiloppa wandered all over India and couldn't find a man of that quality who will receive such a gift, who will appreciate such a gift, who will be able to absorb it, to be reborn through it. And once the gift was received by Naropa, he has become totally transformed. And then Tilopa is reported to have said to Naropa, Now you go and find your own Naropa. And Naropa was also fortunate in that way. He could find a disciple whose name is Marpa. Marpa was also very fortunate he could find a disciple whose name is Milarepa, but then the tradition disappeared. Then no more disciples of that caliber. Many times religion has come to the earth and disappeared. Many times it will come and disappear. A religion cannot become a church, a religion cannot become a sect, a religion depends on personal communication, on personal communion. The religion of Tilopa existed only for four generations, from Naropa to Milarepa. Then it disappeared religion is just like an oasis. The desert is vast, and sometimes, in tiny parts of the desert, an oasis appears, and while it lasts, seek it, and while it is there, drink of it. And it is very, very rare, Jesus says many times to his disciples, a little while more I am here. And while I am here, you eat me, you drink me. Don't miss this opportunity, because then thousands of years and a man like Jesus may not be there. The desert is vast, the oasis sometimes appear and disappear because the oasis comes from the unknown. It needs an anchor on this earth. If the anchor is not there, it cannot remain here. And Naropa is the anchor. The same I would like to say to you, while I am here, a little while more, you don't miss the opportunity. And you can miss it in tribal things. You can remain occupied with nonsense, with mental garbage, and you can go on thinking for and against and the oasis will disappear soon. You can think for and against later on. Right now you drink of it, because then there will be many lives for you to think for and against. There is no hurry for it. But while it lasts, drink of it. Once you are drunk, with Jesus are in Aropa, you are totally transformed. The transformation is very, very easy and simple. It is a natural process. All that is needed is to become a soil and receive the seed, to become a womb and receive the seed. Mahamudra is beyond all words and symbols, but for you, Naropa, earnest and loyal, must this be said. It cannot be uttered, it is unutterable, but it has to be said for a Naropa. Wherever a disciple is ready, the master appears, has to appear. Wherever there is a deep need, it has to be fulfilled. The whole existence responds to your deepest need. But the need must be there, otherwise you can pass a tilopa, a Buddha, a Jesus, and may not be even able to see that you passed a Jesus. Diloppa lived in this country. Nobody listened to him, and he was ready to give the ultimate gift. What happened? And this has happened in this country many times. There must be something behind it. And this has happened more in this country than anywhere else, because more tilopas have been born here. But why it happens that a tilopa has to go to Tibet? Why it happens that a bodhidharma has to go to China? This country knows too much. This country has become too much of the head. That's why it is difficult to find a heart. The country of Brahmins and Pandits, the country of great knowers, philosophers, they know all the Vedas, all the Upanishads. They can recite by memory the Holy Scriptures. A country of the heads. That's why it has been happening so many times. Even I feel, so many times I feel it, that whenever a Brahmin comes, it is difficult to communicate. A man who knows too much becomes almost impossible, because he knows without knowing. He has gathered many concepts theories, doctrines, scriptures. It is just a burden on his consciousness. It is not a flowering. It has not happened to him, it is all borrowed. And all that is borrowed is rubbish, rot. Throw it as soon as you can throw it. Only that which happens to you is true. Only that which flowers in you is true. Only that which grows in you is true and alive. Remember it always. Avoid borrowed knowledge. Borrowed knowledge becomes a trick of the mind. It hides ignorance, it never destroys it. And the more you are surrounded by knowledge, deep inside, at the center, at the very root of your being is ignorance and darkness. And a man of knowledge, borrowed knowledge, is almost closed within his own knowledge. You cannot penetrate him, and it is difficult to find his heart. He himself has lost all contact with his heart. So it is not incidental that a has to go to Tibet, a bodhidharma to China. A seed has to travel so far, not finding a soil here. Remember this, because it is easy to become too much addicted with knowledge. It is an addiction, it is a drug, and LSD is not so dangerous. Marijuana is not so dangerous. and in a way they are similar. Because marijuana gives you a glimpse of something which is not there. It gives you a dream of something which is absolutely subjective. It gives you a hallucination, and knowledge is also the same. It gives you a hallucination of knowing, you start feeling that you know, because you can recite the Vedas. You know, because you can argue. You know, because you have a very, very logical, keen mind. Don't be a fool. Logic has never led any, anybody to truth, and a rational mind is just a game. All arguments are juvenile life exists without any argument, and truth needs no proofs. It needs only your heart, not arguments, but your love, your trust, your readiness to receive. Mahamudra is beyond all words and symbols, but for you, Naropa, earnest and loyal, must this be said. The void needs no reliance. Mahamudra rests on not. Without making an effort, but remaining loose and natural, one can break the yoke, thus gaining liberation you cannot find more significant words ever uttered. Try to understand every nuance of what Lopa is trying to say. The wire needs no reliance. If there is something it needs a support, it needs a reliance. But if there is nothing, emptiness, there is no need for any support. And this is the deepest realization of all the knowers, that your being is a non-being, to say it is a being is wrong because it is not something. It is not like something. It is like nothing. A vast emptiness. With no boundaries to it. It is an atma, a anatma, a no self. It is not a self inside you. All feelings of self are false. All identifications that I am this and that are false. When you come to the ultimate, when you come to your deepest core, you suddenly know that you are neither this nor that. You are no one. You are not an ego, you are just a vast emptiness. And sometimes if you sit, close your eyes, and just feel who you are, where are you? And go deeper, and you may become afraid, because the deeper you go, the deeper you feel that you are nobody, a nothingness. That's why people become so scared of meditation. It is a death, it is a death of the ego, and the ego is just a false concept. Now physicists have come to the same truth through their scientific research, deepening into the realm of matter. What Buddha, Tilopa, Bodhidharma reached through their insight science has been discovering in the outside world also. Now they say there is no substance. Substance is a parallel concept of self a rock exists. You feel that it is very substantial. You can hit somebody's head and blood will come out, even the man may die. It is very substantial. But ask the physicists. They say it is no substance. There is nothing in it they say that it is just a energy phenomena. Many energy currents criss-crossing on this rock give it a feeling of substance. Just as you draw many lines criss-crossing on a paper, where many lines cross a point, a point arises. The point was not there. Two lines crossing and a point arises many lines crossing and a big point arises is that point really there or just lines crossing give a, a illu- illusion of a point being there physicists say that energy currents crisscrossing create matter and if you ask, what are these energy currents? They are not material. They have no weight. They are non-material. Non-material lines criss-crossing give an illusion of a material thing, very substantial, like a rock. Buddha achieved to this illumination twenty-five centuries before Einstein, that inside there is nobody, only energy lines crisscrossing, give you a feeling of the self. Buddha used to say that the self is like, just like an onion. You peel it, one layer comes off, another layer is there. You go on peeling, layer by layer. What remains finally? The whole onion is peeled, and you find nothing inside. The man is just like an onion. You peel layers of thought, feeling, and finally What do you find? A nothing. This nothingness needs no support. This nothingness exists by itself. That's why Buddha says there is no God, there is no need for a God, because God is a support. And Buddha says there is no creator, because there is no need to create a nothingness. This is one of the most difficult concepts to understand, unless you realize it. That's why Tilopa says Mahamudra is beyond all words and symbols. Mahamudra is an experience of nothingness. Simply you are not. And when you are not, then who is there to suffer? Who is there to be in pain and anguish? Who is there to be depressed and sad? And who is there to be happy and blissful? Buddha says, if you feel you are blissful, you will become again a victim of suffering, because you are still there when you are not, completely not, utterly not, then there is no suffering and no bliss, and this is the real bliss. Then you cannot fall back. To attain nothingness is to attain all. My whole effort with you is also to lead you towards nothingness, to lead you to a total vacuum, The wire needs no reliance. Mahamudra rests on not, Without making an effort, but remaining loose and natural, one can break the yoke, thus gaining liberation. The first thing to understand is that the concept of self is created by the mind. There is no self in you. It happened. A great Buddhist, a man of enlightenment, was invited by a king to teach him. The name of the Buddhist monk was Nagasen, and the king was a viceroy of Napoleon, uh, of Alexander. When Alexander went back, back from India, he left Minander as his viceroy here. His Indian name is Milind. Milind asked Nagsen to come and teach him. He was really interested, and he has heard many stories about Nagasen. And many rumors has come to the court that this is a rare phenomena. Rarely it happens that a man flowers, and this man has flowers, and he has an aroma of something unknown around him, a mysterious energy. He walks on the earth, but he is not of the earth he became interested, he invited. The messenger who went to Nakshin came back very much puzzled, because Nakshin said, yes, if he invites, Nakshin will come, but tell him, there is no one like Nakshin. If he invites, I will come, but tell him exactly that there is no one like I am. I am no more. The messenger was puzzled, because if Nagasen is no more, then who will come? And Milin was also puzzled. He said, this man talks in puzzles, but let him come. And he was a Greek, this milind and the Greek mind is basically logical. There are only two minds in the world, the Indian and the Greek. The Indian is illogical and the Greek is logical. The Indian moves into the dark depths, wild depths, There are no boundaries. Everything is vague, cloudy. The Greek mind walks on the logical, the straight, where everything is defined and clarif- classified. The Greek mind moves into the known the Indian mind moves into the unknown, and even more into the unknowable. The Greek mind is absolutely rational, the Indian mind is absolutely contradictory. So if you find too many contradictions in me, don't be bothered. It is the way. In the East, contradiction is the way to relate. Milin said this man seems to be irrational, gone mad. If he is not then how he can come? But let him come. I will see. I will prove. Just by coming he is proving that he is. Then came Naksin. Milinda received him on the on the gate. And the first thing he asked. He said, I am puzzled, you have come, and still you said that you are not. Naksin said, it's still I say. So let us settle it here. A crowd gathered, the whole court came there, and Naksin said, you ask, Milind asked, first tell me if something is not, how it can come? In the first place it is not, then there is no possibility of its coming, and you have come. It is simple logic that you are. Naksin laughed and he said, look at this Ratha. the bullock cart on which he had come. He said, Look at this. You call it a ratha, a car? Milan said, Yes. Then he told his followers to remove the bullocks. The bullocks were removed. asked, are these bullocks the car? Milin said, of course not. Then by and by everything from the cart was removed, every part, wheels were removed. And he asked, are these wheels the car? And Milin said, of course not. Then everything was removed, and there was nothing. Then asked Nagasen, where is the car? I had come in. And we never removed the car and all that we have removed, you confirm that this is not the car. Now, where is the car? Noxin said, just like this Noxin Xis, remove parts and he will disappear. Just criss-crossing lines of energy, remove lines and the dot will disappear. The car is just a combination of parts. You are also a combination of parts. The I is a combination of parts. Remove things, and the I will disappear. That is why when thoughts are removed from consciousness, you cannot say, I, because there is no I, just a vacuum is left. When feelings are removed, the Self disappears completely. You are, and yet not. Just an absence, with no boundaries, emptiness. This is the final attainment. This state is Mahamudra, because in that state only you can have a argas with the whole. Now there is no barrier, no self-access. Now there is no boundary to you to divide. The whole has no boundaries. You must become like the whole. Only then there can be a meeting, a merger. When you are empty, you are without boundaries suddenly you have become the whole. When you are not, you become the whole. When you are, you become an ugly ego. When you are not, you have all the expanse of existence for your being to be. But these are contradictions. So try to understand, become a little like Naropa, otherwise these words and symbols will not carry anything to you. Listen to me in trust. And when I say listen to me in trust, I mean I have known this. This is so. I am a witness. I be a witness for it. this is so. It may not be possible to say it, but that doesn't mean that it is not. It may be possible to say something, that doesn't mean that it is. You can say something which is not, and you may be incapable of saying something which is. I bear witness about it, but you will be able to understand me only if you are in Naropa. If you listen and trust. I am not teaching a doctrine. I would not have been at all concerned with Tilopa if this was not my own experience also. Tilopa has said it well. The wire needs no reliance Mahamudra rests on not on nothing. Mahamudra rests. Mahamudra the literal word means the great gestures are the ultimate gestures. The last that you can have beyond which nothing is possible. Mahamudra. Rest on nothing. You have been a nothing, and then all is attained. You die, and you become a god. You disappear, and you become the whole. Here the drop disappears, and there the ocean comes into existence. Don't cling to yourself, that's all. You have been doing all your past lives, clinging, afraid that if you don't cling to the ego, then you look down a bottomless abyss. Is there? That's why we cling to tiny things, very trivial. We go and cling into them. The clinging shows only that you are also aware of a vast emptiness inside. Something is needed to cling, but your clinging is your sansar, is your misery. Leave yourself into the abyss, and once you leave yourself into the abyss, you become the abyss itself. Then there is no death, because how can an abyss die? Then there is no end to it, because how a nothingness can end? Something can end, will have to end, only nothing can be eternal. Mahamudra rests on nothing. Let me explain you some experience that you have got. When you love a person, you have to become a nothing. When you love a person, you have to become a no-self. That's why love is so difficult. And that's why Jesus says God is like love he knows something about Mahamudra. Because before he started teaching in Jerusalem, he has been to India. He has been to Tibet also. He met people like Tilopa and Naropa. He remained in Buddhist monasteries. He learned about what it is These people call nothingness. Then he tried to translate his whole understanding into Jeevist terminology. There everything got messed. You cannot translate Buddhist understanding into Jeevist terminology. It is impossible because the whole Jewish terminology depends on positive terms, and the Buddhist terminology depends on absolutely nihilistic terms, nothingness, emptiness. But here and there, in Jesus' words, there are glimpses. He says, God is love he is indicating something. What is the indication? When you love, you have to become nobody. If you remain a somebody, then love never happens. When you love a person, even for a single moment love happens and flows between two persons. There are two nothingnesses, not two persons. If you have ever had any experience of love, you can understand. Two lovers sitting by each other's side are two nothingnesses sitting together. Only then the meeting is possible because barriers are broken, boundaries thrown away. The energy can move from here to there. There is no hindrance. And only in such a moment of deep love orgasm is possible. When two lovers are making love and if they both are no-selves, nothingnesses, then orgasm happens. Then your body energy, their whole being loses all identity. They are no more themselves. They have fallen into the abyss. But this can happen only for a moment. Again, they again. Again, they start clinging. That's why people become afraid in love also. In deep love, people are afraid of becoming mad. Are going to die. Uh, what will happen? The abyss opens the mouth. The whole existence yawns, and you are suddenly there, and you can fall into it. One becomes scared of love, then people remain satisfied with sex, and they call their sex love. Love is not sex. Sex can happen in love, it can be a part, integral part to it, but sex itself is not love, it is a substitute. You are trying to avoid love through sex. You are giving yourself a feeling that you are in love and you are not moving into love. Sex is just like borrowed knowledge, giving a feeling of knowing without knowing giving a feeling of love, and loving without loving. In love you are not, the other is also not. Then only suddenly the two disappear. The same happens in Mahamudra. Mahamudra is a total orgasm with the whole existence. That's why in Tantra, and Tilopa is a Tantra master. Deep intercourse, orgasmic intercourse within two lovers is also called Mahamudra. and two lovers in deep orgasmic state are pictured in Tantra temples, in Tantra books, that has become a symbol of the final orgasm. Mahamudra rests on not, without making an effort, but remaining loose and natural. And this is the whole method of telopa, and whole method of tantra, without making an effort. Because if you make an effort, the ego is strengthened. If you make an effort, you come in. So love is is not an effort. You cannot make an effort to love, If you make an effort, there is no love. You flow into it, you don't make an effort. You simply allow it to happen, you don't make an effort. It is not a doing, it is a happening, without making an effort. And the same is with the total, the final. You don't make an effort, you simply flow with it. But remaining loose and natural, this is the way. This is the very ground of tantra. Yoga says, make an effort, and tantra says, don't make any effort. Yoga is ego-oriented. Finally it will take the jump, But Tantra is from the very beginning non-ego-oriented. Yoga in the end attains to such significance, such meaning, such depth, that it says to its seeker, now drop the ego. Only in the end Tantra, from the very beginning, from the very first step, I would like to say it in this way, in such a way that where yoga ends, tantra starts. The highest peak of yoga is the beginning of tantra. And tantra leads you to the ultimate goal. Yoga can prepare you for tantra, that's all. Because the final thing is to be effortless. Loose and natural. What lopa means by loose and natural? Don't fight with yourself. Be loose. Don't try to make a structure around you of character, of morality. Don't discipline yourself too much. Otherwise, your very discipline will become the bondage. Don't create an imprisonment around you. Remain loose, floating. Move with the situation. Respond to the situation. Don't move with a character jacket around you. Don't move with a fixed attitude. Remain loose, like water, not fixed like ice. Remain moving and flowing wherever the nature leads you go. Don't resist. Don't try to impose anything on you, your being. But the whole society teaches you to impose something or other. Be good, be moral, be this and that. And Tantra is absolutely beyond society, culture, and civilization. It says if you are too much cultured, you will lose all that is natural, and then you will be a a mechanical thing, not floating, not flowing. So don't force a structure around you. Live moment to moment, live with alertness. And this is a deep thing to be understood. Why people try to create a structure around them? So that they don't need alertness. Because if you have no character around you, you will need to be very, very aware, because each moment the decision has to be taken. You don't have a prefabricated decision. You don't have an attitude. You have to respond to the situation. Something is there, and you are absolutely unprepared for it, you will have to be very, very aware. To avoid awareness, people have created a trick, and the trick is character. Force yourself into a certain discipline, so whether you are aware or not, the discipline will will take care of you. Make a habit of always saying the truth. Make it a habit, then you need not be worried about it. Somebody asks, you will say the truth. I am out of habit, but out of habit a truth is dead. And life is not so simple life is a very, very complex phenomenon. Sometimes a lie is needed, and sometimes a truth can be dangerous, and one has to be aware. For example, if through your lie somebody's life is saved, and through your lie nobody is harmed, and somebody's life is saved, what you will do? If you have a fixed mind that you have to be true, then you will kill a life. Nothing is more valuable than life, no truth, nothing is more valuable than a life. And sometimes your truth can kill somebody's life. What you will do? Just saving your own old pattern and habit, your own ego that I am a a truthful man? You will sacrifice a life just being a truthful man? Just to be that? This is too much. You are completely mad. If life can be saved, even if people think that you are a liar, what is wrong in it? Why bother too much about what people say about you? It is difficult, it is not so easy to create a fixed pattern, because life goes on moving and changing, and every moment there is a new situation and one has to respond to it. Respond with full awareness, that's all. And let the decision come out of the situation itself, not prefabricated, not imposed. Don't carry a built-in mind, just remain loose and aware and natural. And this is how a real religious man is. Otherwise, the so-called religious persons are just dead. They act out of their habits. They go on acting out of their habits. This is a conditioning, this is not a freedom. Consciousness needs freedom. Be loose, Remember this word, as deeply as possible, let it penetrate you, be loose. So in every situation you can flow easily, water-like. So if the water is poured into a glass, it takes the shape of the glass. It doesn't resist. It doesn't say, this is not my form. If the water is poured into a jar, into a jug, it takes the shape of that. It has no resistance. It is loose. Remain loose like water. Sometimes you will have to move south and sometimes north. You will have to change directions according to the situations you will have to flow. But if you know how to flow, it is enough. The ocean is not very far away if you know how to flow. So don't create a pattern and the whole society tries to create a pattern, and all the religions try to create a pattern. Only very few enlightened persons have been courageous enough to say the truth. The truth is, be loose and natural. If you are loose, you will be natural, of course. Tilopa doesn't say, be moral, he says, be natural. And these are completely diametrically opposite dimensions. A moral man is never natural, cannot be. If he feels angry, he cannot be angry, because the morality doesn't allow it. If he feels loving, he cannot be loving, because the morality is there. It is always according to the morality that he acts. It is never according to his nature. And I tell you, if you start moving according to moral patterns and not according to your nature, you will never reach the state of mahamudra, because it is a natural state, the highest peak of being natural. I tell you, if you feel angry, be angry, but perfect awareness has to be retained. Anger should not overpower your consciousness, that's all. Let anger be there, let it happen, but fully alert that what is happening. Remain loose, natural, aware, watching what is happening. By and by you will see many things have simply disappeared, they don't happen anymore. And without making any effort on your part, you never tried to kill them, and they have simply disappeared. When one is aware, anger by and by disappears. It becomes simply stupid, not bad, remember, because bad is a loaded value. It becomes simply stupid. It is not that because it is bad, you don't move into it. It is simply foolish. It is not a sin, but simply stupid. Greed disappears. It is stupid. Jealousy disappears. It is stupid. Remember this valuation. In morality there is something good and something bad. In being natural there is something wise and something stupid. A man who is natural is wise, not good. A man who is not natural is stupid, not bad. There is nothing bad and nothing good, only wise things and foolish things. And if you are foolish, you harm yourself and others. And if you are wise, you don't harm anybody, neither others nor you. There is nothing like sin, and there is nothing like virtue. Wisdom is all, if you want to call it virtue, call it virtue. And ignorance is there. If you want to call it sin, that is the only sin. So how to transform your ignorance into wisdom? That is the only only transformation, and you cannot force it. It happens when you are loose and natural. Remaining loose and natural, one can break the yoke, thus gaining liberation, and one becomes totally free. It will be difficult in the beginning, because constantly the old habits will be there, forcing you to do something. You would like to be angry, but the old habit simply starts a smile on your face. There are people that whenever they smile, you can be certain that they are angry. In their very smile they show the anger. They are hiding something. A false smile is spreads on their face. These are the hypocrites. A hypocrite is a unnatural man. If anger is there, he will smile. If hate is there, he will sow love. If he feels murderous, he will pretend compassion. A hypocrite is a perfect moralist, absolutely artificial, a plastic flower, ugly, of no use, not a flower at all, just a pretension. Tantra is the natural way. Be loose and natural, it will be difficult because the old habits have to be broken it is difficult because you will have to live in a society of hypocrites. It will be difficult because everywhere you will find a conflict with the hypocrites, but one has to go through it. It will be arduous because there are many investments in, in false artificial pretensions. You may feel completely alone, but this will be only a passing phase. Soon, others will start feeling your authenticity. And remember, even an authentic anger is better than a pretended smile, because at least it is authentic. And a man who cannot be authentically angry cannot be authentic at all. At least he is authentic, true, true to his being. Whatsoever is happening, you can rely on him that it is true. And this is my observation, that true anger is beautiful, and a false smile is ugly. And a true hate has its own beauty, just like true love. Because beauty is concerned with truth, neither it is concerned with hate, not with love. It, it is, beauty is of the truth. Truth is beautiful, in whatsoever form. A truly dead man is beautiful than a falsely alive man because at least the basic quality is there of being true. Mullah Nasuddin's wife died, and the neighbors gathered. But Mullah Nasuddin was standing there completely unaffected, as if nothing has happened. Neighbors started crying and weeping and they said, What are you standing there, Nasruddin? She is dead. Nasruddin said, Wait, she is such a liar. (laughs) At least for three days I have to wait and see whether it is true or not. Remember this, that beauty is of truth, authenticity. Become more authentic and you will have a flowering. And the more authentic you become, by and by you will feel many things are falling away of their own accord. You never made any effort to do it, they are falling of their own accord. And once you know the neck of it, then you become more and more loose, more and more natural, authentic. And says, Telopa, one can break the yoke, thus gaining liberation. The liberation is not very far away. It is just hidden behind you. Once you are authentic and the door is open, but you are such a, a liar, you are such a pretender, you are such a hypocrite, you are so deeply false. That's why you feel that liberation is very, very far away. It is not. For an authentic being, liberation is just natural. It is as natural as anything. As water flows towards the ocean, as vapor rises towards the sky, as the sun is hot and the moon is cool, so for an authentic being is liberation. It is nothing to be bragged about. It is nothing that you have to tell people that you have gained something. When Lynchy was asked that what has happened to you, people say that you have become enlightened, he shrugged his soldiers and said, happened nothing. I cut wood in the forest and carry water to the ashram. Carry water from the... Well, cut wood, because the winter is approaching. He shrugged his soldiers. A very meaningful gesture. He is saying, nothing has happened. What nonsense you are asking. It is natural carrying water from the well, cutting wood in the forest. Life is absolutely natural. Says Lynchy, when I feel sleepy, I go to sleep and when I feel hungry, I eat. Life has become absolutely natural. Liberation is your being perfectly natural. Liberation is not something to be bragged about, that you have attained something very great. It is nothing great, it is nothing extraordinary. It is just being natural, just being yourself. So what to do? Drop pretensions, drop hypocrisies, drop all that you have cultivated around your natural being. Become natural. In the beginning it will be a very, very arduous thing, but only in the beginning once you get attuned to it, others will also start feeling something has happened to you. Because the authentic being is such a force, such a magnetism, they will start feeling something has happened. This man no more moves as part of us. He has become totally different and you will not be at a loss, because only artificial things will drop. And once the emptiness is created by throwing artificial things, pretensions, mass, then the natural being starts flowing. It needs space. Be empty, loose, and natural. Let that be the, the most fundamental principle in your life enough for today